rise and shine. Rise and shine, chop chop. Rise and shine. Rise and shine, it's a beautiful day. Rise and shine, rise and shine. Rise and shine. Rise and shine. You guys are nerds. This is exactly what the nerds want. Our name shall become legend. Spoken in hushed tones by nerds across the galaxy. If you build it, nerds will come. Nerds must love this place. They think we're a bunch of nerds, and I'll tell you something. I think they're right. Let, let the nerds take over. Let the nerds take over! Rise and shine, nerds. Grab your coffee, wipe the sleep from your eyes, and turn up the volume as we help kick off your day with Love Thy Nerds official morning show here on YouTube and LTN Radio. I'm Radio Matt. I'm the director of content and resources here at Love Thy Nerd. And I'm Daedra, and I like warm hugs. <laughs> this week, we're talking about the Hollywood writer's strike. Today, we're going to see why Netflix might be benefiting from the strike, and if the Writer's Guild is doomed to fail mm-hmm. in this venture. But first, we've got a few stories today in Rise and Shine Nerds News. <laughs> this is RSNN. talk about dungeons and dragons all right uh ai generated art banned from future dungeons and dragons books after fan uproar a dungeons and dragons expansion book included ai uh, generated artwork and fans on twitter spotted it before the book was even released noting among other things a wolf with human feet Uh, An embarrassed representative for Wizards of the Coast then tweeted out an announcement about the new guidelines, stating explicitly that artists must refrain from using AI art generation as part of their creation process for developing D&D art. So this comes from GeekWire.com. The artist in question, Ia Shurkeepen, is a California-based painter, illustrator, and operator uh, of an NFT marketplace who has worked on projects for Renton, Washington-based Wizards of the Coast since 2014. Shkreepin? Shkreepin? Shkeepin? Shkeepin? Shkeepin. Shkeepin. Uh, you probably took don't to Twitter. pronounce one of those. Skeepin <laughs> took to Twitter himself on Friday and acknowledged uh, in several now deleted tweets that he'd used AI tools to polish several original illustrations and concept sketches. Uh, as of Saturday morning, Skeepin had taken down his original tweets and announced that the illustrations for Glory of the Giants are going to be reworked. Uh, so the book apparently is is not going to come out. In that form, the physical book won't be out until August 15. The ebook is available now. Okay, so I guess it is out already, rather, but they're going to fix it for future editions. I guess that's what they're going to do. Okay. Wizards of the Coast uh, emphasized this won't happen again uh, about this particular incident. They noted, We have worked with this artist since 2014, and he's put years of work into his books. We all love. Uh, while we weren't aware of the artist's choice to use AI in the creation process for these commission pieces, we have discussed with him, and he will not use AI for Wizards' work moving forward. GeekWire adds the latest D&D video game, Baldur's Gate 3, uh, went into full launch period on Tuesday. Uh, we don't need any of that. That has nothing to do with this story. <sighs> so what? So they don't like that he didn't draw it, and he used a computer to help him draw the things? Exactly. Why? So, 
This is the mindset with AI, especially AI art right now, is that we don't want it because it's taking away from genuine art. Yeah. But if it was the artist's choice to use it. You're right that this... Like I get, you know, a company deciding we don't need you artists anymore. I'm going to use AI. Well, we can tell... (sighs) A part of this, I think, at least for this specific story, is that AI gets it wrong. Because it says right mm. here there were several problems with it. Issues. Like a wolf with human feet. That's not a thing. And I feel like, yeah, the guy who was putting those together should have checked his work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and he says, you know, like he, he'd made his own sketches and this was here to polish it up. I don't know. I don't know if I believe that. I don't. I just think you went into. Look, you kind of phoned it in that day. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna. This is gonna happen more and more, where it's gonna be harder and harder to tell. It's a little easier to tell with images right now than it was, than it is like with with written text. You know, like we talked about rep- reports or whatever. The professors mm-hmm. are trying to distinguish if they were real or not. But mm-hmm. you know, art's a little easier to tell because AI has problems with with um, limbs, specifically hands and feet. <laughs> So we have a we have like an AI bot AI image bot in our staff uh, LTN thing that we've been goofing around with. So we had a staff retreat in July where we all went to a singular location and met up and met and talked about the next year. But at night and mostly you know anytime there was downtime through this the whole event, we're just sitting there playing with this uh, AI bot. Uh, we played a game of D&D there, and we're like, let's create our characters. It's a perfect time to use this. And so we started doing that. And then we're just like, okay, well, we're going to do this constantly. We're trying to get perfect pictures. <laughs> I made perfect pictures because <laughs> <laughs> everyone's trying to do themselves. And I'm like, fat, bald guy, full beard, let's go. <laughs> and they all look like me. <laughs> Every single one that comes out. All the other guys are like, you suck. How do you do this? How is it working for you? None of them can get it to look like them. It's just they're trying all the time. Anyway, my current Facebook profile picture looks like it was made exactly for me. It looks like it is a caricature of me. And it was made by AI simply by putting in fat guy with full beard. That's essentially (laughs) it. I think I put it with headphones. And that was it. Mm. And the fact that it could, you know, it just, all the, the only thing that they have a problem with is hands. And so you'll have like 18 fingers on a hand <laughs> or you'll have no fingers. You'll have like turtle claws, you know, you'll have weird, weird things going on with hands, hmm. but it's just going to happen more and more. It's going to be everywhere. We have the AI assisting the, uh, opening for secret invasion, uh, the, the latest MCU series on Disney plus mm-hmm. people were upset about that. Mm-hmm. I think just the the overall idea is we don't want AI to do things that people can do and should be asked to do and should be getting paid for. And so the idea of even artists using it themselves is like, ah, it's like, you know, you're betraying the industry. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like you're, 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 you're making this a thing and we don't want this to be a thing. I don't know if that's going to change over time as we get more and more used to it, mm-hmm. but AI isn't going anywhere and it's going to be uh, in everything. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Uh, let's move on to yep. extras, um, TV, and film extras are afraid that AI will copy their faces and bodies to take their gerbs. <laughs> An anonymous reader shares this report. This is from the register.com. Production companies are scanning the faces and bodies of actors and actresses who fear their likenesses will be used to create fake AI doubles for TV shows and films in the future. Some workers spoke to NPR last week about being subjected to the scans and feeling like they couldn't say no. Alexandria Rubalkaba. Rubalkaba, who uh, was working on, as a background actor, described being called into a trailer and asked to stand in front of cameras. Have your hands out. Have your hands in. Look this way. Look that way. Let us see your scared face. Let us see your surprised face. She said uh, what was most concerning, however, was that she didn't know what or how her images were being used. My first thought leaving the trailer was, oh, this might just be for the future. Uh, we just we might lose our jobs. Dom Lubzy, an actor from Los Angeles, added, Studios already use computational techniques to create synthetic images of people to create fake crowds for backgrounds and films. Mm -hmm. It's not too far-fetched to think that extras can also be generated, too. Uh, Andrew Suskind, an associate, associate professor at Drexel University's film and TV department, explained how AI made background actors... AI-made background actors would slash production budgets. He said, imagine ballroom scenes, party scenes, any scenes that need tons of extras. Imagine the amounts of money they would be saving, not paying $180 a day, plus meals, plus costuming for every single person. Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry, another AI story, but this seems to be the way of the world right now. Yeah. Uh, and I feel, like, I feel like what they're talking about here is already possible. Did they like pay her to like you know? I'm sure they paid her for the event for that she was there for. Image. But yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> and there's not really a lot of laws in place to stop. I mean, right? We for for the last couple of years, several years now, we've had reproductions of people that have been dead mm -hmm. being used in commercials, TV shows, and movies, mm -hmm. even big Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. And did they have to receive permissions for that? I don't think so. Uh, I, I, that, that might be changing now. That might that have changed. Go to her estate. That might have changed in the year. But I remember, like the Simpsons, I think did an episode about. Uh, I think it was Simpsons. It might be South Park. I don't remember now. But one of those shows did an episode about just reusing dead celebrities' images to sell vacuum cleaners or whatever. Had Fred Astaire dancing with a broom or a you know a new Dyson kind of stuff like that kind of stuff back then was unregulated like it's just like well this is it's like this guy passed into to uh public domain when he died mm -hmm. you know like he he's ours now he's anybody's mm -hmm. i don't know if that's still the case um now that like stuff like star wars is happening but i really don't think it's relegated properly regulated properly rather um i remember the guy that played general tarkin i don't remember the actor's name but i remember his family I uh, was like, uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna ask if you could do this or anything? No? Okay. <laughs> like, it's just... Mm, mm. But you could argue, you know, like Simpsons, they draw and create characters that are... They could, you know, draw a cartoon of someone that's died. 
How is that different than making a computer animation of someone that's died? Well, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But I guess in this situation, we're not talking about people that have died. We're talking about legitimate extras that you could call yeah. back to be used for your next project. Yeah. But instead, you're like, well, now we've got all your images. Mm-hmm. And so we're just going to map this onto a computer body for nothing, mm-hmm. for pennies. Mm-hmm. And we don't need you anymore. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. People are people. Let people be people. Uh, Okay. Let's move on to uh, the Pope. Okay. (laughs) Guess what? It's still about AI. Pope warns of AI risks so violence and discrimination does not take root. Uh, So this is uh, ARS Technica. Uh, discussion about artificial intelligence everywhere these days. Even the Vatican uh, on Tuesday, Pope Francis issued a communique announcing the theme for World Day of Peace 2024 as artificial intelligence and peace, emphasizing the potential impact of AI on human life and calling for responsible use, ethical reflection, and vigilance to prevent negative consequences. In the communique, Pope Francis' office called for an open dialogue on the meaning of these new technologies endowed with disruptive possibilities and ambivalent effects, echoing common ethical sentiments related to AI. He said society needs to be vigilant about the technology so that a logic of violence and discrimination does not take root in the production and use of such devices at the expense of the most fragile and excluded. How weird is it? (laughs) That AI, which is something most of us didn't even think about eight mm-hmm. months ago, mm-hmm. is now such a big deal. The Pope has to comment on it <laughs> and even make the whole World Day of Peace for next year about it. Yeah. It's moving so fast. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I mean. Well, next year we're all going to be. Next year we're dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to be slaves to it. <laughs> Somebody, I think, I think Oriole sent me a a video, a music video. Someone's redoing the words to American Pie about the AI uprising. Hmm. It's all the day the robots rise. <laughs> like, <laughs> we, let's talk about how we all laughed at AI and all this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. now here we are, dead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to stop right there and take our first break. But when we come back, our Discord shinies chime in on our main topic. This week in Nerd History, August 14th through the 20th. In 1995, the Nintendo Virtual Boy was released. This 32-bit tabletop portable video game console used a red monochrome display to create the illusion of 3D graphics. It was a commercial failure and discontinued in 1996 after only 22 games were made for it. In 2020, Ted Lasso premiered. This comedy drama series was about an American football coach who takes on the challenge of coaching a struggling English soccer team and wins over the hearts of the players, fans, and even his boss with his optimism, humor, 
humor and kindness. August 15th. In 1969, Woodstock began. This was a historic music festival that took place on a farm in New York where hundreds of thousands of people gathered to celebrate peace, love, and rock and roll. In 1998, the original iMac released. This revolutionary all-in-one desktop computer featured a colorful translucent plastic case, a CRT monitor, a G3 processor, and USB ports, but no floppy disk drive or serial ports. In 2010, Daniel Bryan returned to WWE at SummerSlam 2010 as the surprise seventh member of Team WWE, who faced the Nexus in a seven-on-seven elimination tag team match. After being fired two months earlier for choking ring announcer Justin Roberts with his tie during the Nexus's debut Invasion. August 17. In 2018, Disenchantment premiered. This hilarious and adventurous animated series created by Matt Groening follows the misadventures of a rebellious princess, her personal demon, and her elf friend in the medieval fantasy kingdom of Dreamland and beyond. August 18. In 1995, Mortal Kombat premiered. This thrilling and action-packed film adaptation of the popular video game franchise followed three Earthrealm warriors who must fight for the fate of their world in a deadly interdimensional tournament against the evil forces of Outworld. In 2013, Disney Infinity launched. This creative and fun video game series allowed players to mix and match characters, worlds, and stories from various Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars franchises using physical toys and a digital platform. August 19. In 1950, ABC launched its first hour-long block of Saturday morning children's programming, consisting of two shows, Animal Clinic, which featured live animals and educational facts, and Acrobat Ranch, which showcased circus acts and acrobatic stunts. In 1994, Blank Man premiered. This comedy parody of the Batman TV series and other superhero films was about a nerdy repairman who becomes a superhero without any superpowers, using his inventive skills and gadgets to fight crime and corruption in his neighborhood, with the help of his brother and a news anchor. August 20th. In 1989, Saved by the Bell premiered. This popular American sitcom featured a group of teenage friends and their adventures at Bayside High School. The show is known for its humor, romance, and social issues, and spawned several spinoffs and movies. Some of the iconic characters are Zach Morris, Kelly Kapowski, A.C. Slater, Jesse Spano, Lisa Turtle, and one of the 90s nerd icons, Screech Powers. For more nerdy facts about the topics we shared today, find our companion article for this week on lovethynerd.com. I'm Radio Matt, and I'll see you next time for more Nerd History. to Rise and Shine Nerds, LTN's official morning show here on YouTube and LTN Radio. We know you can't always catch the show when it premieres, so we've got you covered. Each day, shortly after the premiere, you can watch or listen to the show anytime on YouTube or by subscribing to the podcast version by searching Rise and Shine Nerds on your favorite podcast app. We've been talking about the writer's strike this week, and today we'll be talking about whether or not it will be successful. But first, uh, we asked our Shinies what they thought. Uh, you can make your voice heard as well by joining our Discord, Discord community at lovethynerd.com slash Discord. Once you join and agree to the rules, simply visit Channels and Roles and click on Rise and Shine Nerds to find our special category. So we asked them, do you think the writer's strike will be successful as well as any other thoughts that you had on the situation? And here's what you told us. Uh, Silver responded simply, I just want my fall shows. 
<laughs> and crying emoji. Um, Mosaic Fan Art says, I'm, I sure hope so, but being the, the grandpa of the group, uh, I don't know how much it will affect me. I mean, I'm just a few years away from watching reruns of Gunsmoke all day long. <laughs> Seriously, the ability for the studios to just use AI and not pay writers for all the streaming and everyone uh, that everyone is doing is uncool. Take a pay cut, you fat cats, or maybe just get more ad time at the beginning of the show to make up the money. Uh, Jonathan said there's a writer strike. I never watch live TV anymore. I had no idea. Uh, Wandering Knight says, I think it'll be successful, but also there will be exploitation of loopholes to make it not successful. Uh, Josh, the boss says, my question is, is the visual media getting to the same place? Is visual media getting to the same place music is? He says, uh, I've, I've read at least two reports from 2021 that have said that more people are listening to older music than newer release music, with some exceptions, of course, like Taylor Swift fans and stuff. He says, I find myself as an older person looking to reminisce more. Uh, the last film series I was excited about was Lord of the Rings, and the last TV series I was excited about was Burn Notice. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm old, but nothing hooks me anymore. Uh, That's called... Yeah, they're not doing it for you, dude. They're doing it for the, the generation <laughs> after you. <laughs> Sorry to I don't say. Know how, I don't know how old you are, but I know 18 to 35 is the demographic. <laughs> I am out of that demographic. They don't care about me. They don't care what I'm watching. Nobody. This month, This month, I'll be out of that demographic. You're still 35? For, for, yeah, a little bit. For why a little bit. Do I, why do I think you're older all the time. I'm not 38 yet. I'm 37. I keep. I'm. I'm pushing. You're 38 us to the, next month. Ugh. <laughs> ugh. <laughs> Throw up in my mouth. Uh. Yeah, that's what that means. It means you're getting older because I feel like the same thing happens. Uh, think about like grandparents. What what music do they listen to? What shows do they watch? You know, uh, Mosaic Art mentioned watching Gunsmoke. Mm. Yeah, because that's what they're going to do. They're going to watch the things that they remember they liked. So all this new stuff isn't coming out for you. Right. I was I was just thinking, <laughs> like, well, no, I really like Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks. And, like, I don't think that counts because <laughs> it's an established brand that existed already. Like, if this was a brand new sci-fi show i'm not sure i would have watched it i'm not sure i would have given it a chance mm -hmm. but it's because it's something that i watched star trek something that i watched as a kid and growing up that i like these now mm -hmm. and also the more uh the more like current sci-fi show discovery i don't really care for I like the ones that are more like classic Star Trek. Right, right. <laughs> so, or, or pay homage to classic Star Trek mm -hmm. like Lower Decks does. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm trying to think of the last <laughs> new show. That, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso grabbed me. That's brand new. And it's a whole new kind of format of show compared to most everything else. But in reality, I'm not searching for, I'm not looking for new stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm going through The Office and Parks I'm, and Rec and Seinfeld. Say, and I'm just Frasier. continuously watching The Office. That's <laughs> that's all. <laughs> I'm right there with you, uh, 
Tristan Birch. I love oh, MASH. Deidre is a huge fan of MASH. It's it's my fave. Yeah. Uh, that's that's was that was like the go to gift for her when we were dating. Season of, next season. Next of MASH, season please. of MASH. Yes. Every birthday, every Christmas, you get the next season of MASH. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot. There were a lot of MASH. Yeah. That show went on longer than the war did. <laughs> uh, yeah. Real good. I like it. Okay. Yeah. That was a little bit too old for me. Yeah. That was like, eh, that's, I like, mm. I like the humor and I like the seriousness that they can also do they very did a, well. They did a really good job of balancing that. Yes. Uh, I really think Scrubs is a spiritual successor to MASH mm-hmm. in a lot of ways uh, because they they had that same ability. Yeah, that's true. To balance the absurdness. I'm going to be laughing They're my head little, off and then yeah. pouring tears. They were, they were much more later. silly yeah. in Scrubs. Much more <laughs> silly. The humor in MASH made more sense. Yeah. Like it was real observational humor, uh, kind of, but and some yeah. slapstick kind of stuff. But. Mm-hmm. And uh, Scrubs was, was sillier and weird uh, daydreams and, you know, things like that. Yeah. But still, when they get to the serious stuff, golly, I'm already, <laughs> I feel it in my throat right now. The Where do you think we are right now? <laughs> That's, the thing. That's the thing that John and I have done to each other every now and then. We'll just, if we're in the middle of a conversation <laughs> and we both stop right and we both stop talking, <laughs> it's like the first person to say, where do you think we are right now? <laughs> and we both want to cry. Oh, that's so sad. <clears throat> Joshua. Yes, that's it. You're old. <laughs> uh, and then Thray uh, said, success in a strike is really defined by lawyers. Uh, ever see suits now messier and uh, we might see what happens will a negotiation regarding wages and profits be completed in some form i think so but i think we'll likely see further negotiations among lawyers from all three major groups the writers the actors the studios for the planned future drafting of policies regarding ai and the human right of one's own image not as a part of the settlement so that stuff will probably come Later, she thinks hmm. these policies would then need to be presented to multiple governments for adapting into laws applicable for those countries. This is not going to be settled by Hollywood alone without the teeth of law to back it up culturally. I think that's true with AI and the, the stuff we were talking about, about human, mm-hmm. um, your human image, you know, all that stuff. There's, there's a whole sh- slew, mm-hmm. slew of laws that mm-hmm. need to be put into place mm-hmm. as this stuff develops. And I I'm so worried about the next few years mm-hmm. as we're like, AI is going to go bonkers and we don't have any of this stuff passed yeah. yet. Yeah. As <laughs> we we've have discussed, no regulation. Law is reactionary. Yes. To things. Exactly. That have happened. It is not. Before we do this, let's set some rules. It's. Now that this exists. Did this. <laughs> these things went wrong, so we're going to put these rules in place. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately that requires it all going wrong. when our wrong. world got taken over, so let's, <laughs> let's put these laws in place. Okay. You remember when you made Skynet? <laughs> we're not going to do that again. We barely made it out alive. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, let's take one more break. When we get back, we're diving into our main topic. Is the writer's strike doomed to fail? Thank you. 
We here at Love Thy Nerd emphasize relational outreach. From huge convention halls to local game nights across the world, LTN wants to show the love of Jesus to nerds and nerd culture. We're always developing resources and articles to help you grow nerd ministry in your area and expanding our reach as a ministry into all areas of nerd culture. Connect with us on social media at Love Thy Nerd and at LTN On Air to join in. Welcome back to Rise and Shine Nerds, LTN's brand new morning show. CW's Nancy Drew series wraps up with this current season. Emery Glenn has a new article on the homepage examining Nancy Drew through the years compared to the latest series and asks the question, should characters from our childhood grow up with us? Find it on lovethynerd.com. This week we're talking about the writer's strike and today we're asking the question, is this doomed to fail? So first of all, Netflix and other studios aren't feeling the pinch yet. In fact, right now, the lower budget seems to be helping them. Hmm. Uh, In an article from CBS News titled, Why the Actors and Writers Strikes are Good News for Netflix, it says this, Netflix, a major target of the current strikes in Hollywood writers and actors, has seen an unexpected cash boost from the two labor unions' actions. In a quarterly earnings report on Wednesday, Netflix said it expects to have at least $5 billion in free cash flow for 2023 because of reduced operational costs as a result of the strikes delaying production schedules. That's a significant increase from its previous estimate of $3.5 billion. The company plans to use some of the extra cash to buy back stock, it said. Hmm. Uh, Netflix said in a letter to investors, we're currently running a bit above our targeted minimum cash level, so we expect to increase our stock repurchase activity in the second half of 2023, assuming no material changes in our business. The company's chief financial officer, Adam Newman, uh, detailed some of the reasons for the new cash boost in the investor call on Wednesday. In addition to the impact of the strikes, Newman said the company had early success with its crackdown on password sharing and plans to expand so-called paid sharing to every country where it operates. Uh, The company added more than 6 million new paid subscribers in the second quarter of this year, including 1.2 million in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, The rest is just about paid sharing and stuff like that. But But wasn't those new subscribers about their their no sharing passwords crackdown? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, they they did it a smart way. They're like, look. You can't keep doing this, but if you want to share your account with somebody else, here's a reduced price for their account. Hmm. So it's like instead of paying for two separate accounts, you get it for, you know, it's like adding a phone price. to your plan. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> it was smart. It was a smart way. Uh, but yeah, so Netflix, <laughs> and I'm, I'm assuming most companies probably are like, well, we're not making any new shows, but we got a lot of money now. <laughs> Our budgets have nowhere else to go. Let's do it. Let's. You know. But that's going to hurt them later. Eventually it is. Yeah. But the, the whole idea is which one can last longer? Mm. Mm-hmm. Can the Writers and Actors Guild last longer? Right. Than the Hollywood studio execs with all this extra money that they don't have to spend right now during the strike? Gotcha. It's it's a tough thing. Studios know how to survive without new written content for a long time because it just happened with COVID. 
Right. That's true. So it's likely going to be many more months before the pressure really starts uh, hitting the execs. The pressure mm. to start the machine back up becomes vital. Um, so here's a, here's a bit from a, 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 an article in Crisis Magazine. It's a little, little bit of a chunk here, but it kind of frames where we are compared to the strike 15 years ago. Hmm. That was 15 years ago. Oh my Doesn't gosh. That Doesn't that hurt a little bit? <laughs> Doesn't that hurt to say? It was 2007 to 2008. Uh, <laughs> it was 2023. <laughs> <laughs> the last time Hollywood writers went on such a strike was over 15 years ago, 2007 to 2008. Although their demands were more or less the same as today, they inhabited a much different media environment. Those were the days of big movie franchises, Marvel, Harry Potter, and the Disney princesses, popular TV on the mainstream networks, The Office, CSI, Law and & Order, and the rise of peak TV, Breaking Bad, Mad Men, The Wire. Although reality television and game shows threatened to replace scripted entertainment, collective burnout started to set in at that point. As for streaming services, they didn't really exist yet. Netflix was using snail mail to send out DVDs to people who were still overcoming the trauma of blockbuster video. <laughs> Writers of those days had some leverage. And their absence was felt by most people. According to some estimates, the Los Angeles economy lost over $2 billion because major film studios and ancillary businesses were forced to shut down. In the end, the strike was largely successful as writers were able to have better compensation for their work and were included in upcoming streaming productions. This time around, the media climate is not quite as friendly to writers, even though a demand for them is still high, if not higher than the involvement of new production companies like Amazon and Apple. There is not the same amount of profit to be made from scripted entertainment. Furthermore, most people now watch their favorite shows and movies through various streaming platforms, an altogether different model for media. Not only does this mean that certain shows and movies may not make as much money, but also that the writing done for these projects is not as regular. For example, the typical 20-plus episodes for one season of a show from the early 2000s is twice as long as a season for most shows today. Hmm. So we talked about that mm -hmm. with the mini rooms thing uh, right. on Monday. Is like you know, the mini rooms thing usually lasts the first 10 weeks. And now that's what a lot of shows are. Right. 10 yeah. weeks long. They're not these giant. Big long productions. Which most people like. Mm-hmm. Because, especially for story-driven ones, like, you know, episodic sitcoms or whatever, yeah, you want as many as you can get, sure. Mm -hmm. But, like, for story-driven things where you have an overarching story, yeah, Smallville would have benefited so greatly from shorter seasons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because you would have the story move forward right. at a pace that didn't feel like it had to drag on for most of a year, because it's not a year-long story. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And so you'd have... The first couple episodes that establish a story, and then you'd have a bunch of bullcrap episodes that have nothing to do with the story that they right. just have to fill. And they might put like a little bit at the end right. to, you know, remind you. Hey, right. you know, There'll be a tease here, a tease yeah. there for something that's coming up yeah. at the mid-season finale. Right. And then you'll have the two <laughs> in the middle that are highly about the story again. And then another set of bullcrap episodes that have nothing to do with it. Just and then the fillers. finale and you yeah. finally get in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's what's really going well with things like Stranger Things and all these shorter done shows is that you can focus on just making them. And, you know, a mini series essentially mm -hmm. is what you're, what they used to be called, mm -hmm. where every episode is focused on the story. There will be individual elements for every episode that make them special, mm -hmm. but still the overarching story is being told. 
Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but even for shows that are kind of individual episode focused, such as, again, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, those episodes, there is an overarching story, but it's usually done because it's only 10 episodes in the first and the last. And there will be some talk about it in the middle. But each episode gets to be different and have its own fun. And there will be some, you know, interpersonal storylines going throughout it. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it can be it can be different and fun and it won't get tiresome because right. there's only ten. Right. You know? Yeah. It's it's not just freak of the week mm-hmm. episodes where you're just like, oh, I'll just keep cranking these out. <laughs> That's fine. What the, it's like, that was like those first first three seasons of Smallville. Mm-hmm. Just like oh, every every episode. every week. Okay, mm-hmm. what weird power does this guy have? Okay, <laughs> oh, she can eat everything. Okay, wow, this one has bugs. All right, <laughs> the first one. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, TV really has changed, um, but even then. There's a there's a lot to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if nothing new ever comes out, and what is on streaming services right now is all we had, most of us would be fine. <laughs> We'd watch our favorites on repeat, like most of us already do. Mm-hmm. We catch up on series or movies that might have slipped by us that we're like, I don't have time to start that series, mm-hmm. so we just never watched it. Well, now we can go back and watch it. Mm-hmm. Give lesser known media a chance, something that we just like, oh, that's not worth my time. You're like, right. well, you know, let's give it a shot. Maybe I like these, <laughs> maybe I like K dramas and I don't know about them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a chance that we wouldn't otherwise have the time. Finding hidden gems, sharing them with others, like it would be fun. Uh, we are no longer beholden to primetime television. You know, the, the, the first sure. strike, that's first true. strike was killing people. Who were yeah. desperate for new episodes of The Office. You know what I mean? Just like, oh my gosh, when is The Office coming back? <laughs> I remember when they first uh, had the promo of new uh, new episodes of The Office. And you and I were just like, praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. We, like, like we couldn't believe it. It was like Christmas morning seeing that preview. I'm guessing what we did during the first strike was just watch a lot of DVDs. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's exactly what it is. But now people don't have DVDs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the first episode back was The Dinner Party. One of the best episodes of the whole series. That's true. So good. That's true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we were mostly sub watching whatever was whatever the cable channels put on or the few DVDs that we owned. That's, like, that's all we had. Yeah. So we needed television to start cranking back up. Right. Uh, but now with streaming services and being able to watch whatever we want and not have to buy all the DVDs for it. Like we, you know, it's just, you know, we bought, when we were married, we were buying a season of scrubs every couple of months mm-hmm. just so we could watch scrubs, mm-hmm. scrubs and Smallville. We were buying those as they mm-hmm. came out mm-hmm. and like, it was so tedious to have to get those. It cost so much money to have them for us when we were younger mm-hmm. and then we had them and we watched through watched through Smallville a lot, but we watched through Scrubs what two times before now it's yeah. everything's on streaming. So right. you can watch it all here and we gave them away. And now we don't even own 
pretty much any DVDs except for the ones that we have for the car. Right. With the kids. <laughs> uh, there's also a matter of support. So uh, the first time around, America was largely united in support for the riders. However, this time around, the conservative side of America is a little less enthusiastic at large. Uh, hmm. Riding has become increasingly focused on what conservatives call woke ideology. Mm. More and more stories are focused on liberal ideas and characters and less on storylines that are more universally appealing. So we're like, it's all right if you stop writing about that. There's a large number of people on the right who would be just as happy to see Hollywood collapse in on itself. Uh, I could see that. Yeah. I have to pre-watch every children's thing Mm -hmm. that comes out because I don't know what kind of crap they're going to stick in there. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was a weird it's a weird shift to have mm-hmm. been a part of to see how it went from let's keep anything that might even be slightly controversial out of kids programming because it doesn't need to be there right to taking a bunch of stuff that is still arguably very controversial to 90% of Americans and go no this is just basic stuff mm-hmm. this is stuff everybody needs to see as soon mm-hmm. as they're preschoolers. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is... I'm weirded out by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and how how quickly it happened. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> like, I understand the need for the stuff to exist, and I don't want to have anybody think that, you know, we want to erase you from, you know, humanity or whatever. But at the same time, can we let our kids be old enough to even understand what's happening? Right. And let us have those conversations with them before preschool preschool shows <laughs> do before Blue's Clues mm-hmm. does. I don't understand. I don't yeah. understand the need. So yeah. So I can I see that. So to wrap up, here's what they're facing. Studios aren't feeling the pinch yet. Strikers are. Writing needs to be vastly different these days. Writing needs are vastly different these days. And so trying to go back to the old ways of the writer's room, not necessarily as easy as it sounds. Mm -hmm. There is so much pre-existing content available right now at any time, at anyone's fingertips that people watching TV aren't feeling the pinch. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. support from the country is less solid than last time. Now we talked about reality TV at the end of yesterday's show. Mm hmm. And how that was like the big rise of it. Mm-hmm. But you can't do that now. Because reality TV has also evolved in mm-hmm. these last 15 years. Not really reality. To need writers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Almost all reality TV still involves a lot of writers now. Mm-hmm. And so you can't you can't just throw on a... A camera in a house. A camera in a house. People in yeah. you, can't just, you can't do John and K plus eight now on <laughs> primetime TV. You got to have... Uh, there's too much production. It's mm-hmm. got things have gotten better in reality TV and it would be noticeable if they got worse. So I feel like it's all fake anyway. That everything. The, the reality TV. I feel like it's fake. Even it's fake reality. Even the mini golf show that we love so very much. <laughs> What's it called? Holy moly. Holy moly. Yeah. Holy moly. I'm watching Crime Scene Kitchen mm-hmm. with Joe McHale. That ain't fake. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the... You're talking about like The, the Bachelor and stuff like yeah. that? Yeah. 
Yeah. Love Island. And Love Island. Temptation yeah. Island. It's a bunch Ooh. of people that they've paid. I don't think so. I think that's just, these are the worst human beings on the planet. <laughs> and, we're pay- and we're paying them to be themselves. I don't think they're being themselves. That's what I'm saying. I think they're playing a character. Mm, I'm sure there's some. But I don't know. I think, human, I think, they I think made, human, humanity is this bad. I think they <laughs> made that character for themselves and presented that uh, character okay. knowing that that's what they were looking for. Well, in that case, everybody's playing a character. Okay. You want to get philosophical about it? We're all fakes. We're all phonies. Okay. You think I talk like this in normal time? You think I'm outgoing? You think I want to talk to people? Heck no. Yeah. Heck no. <laughs> During the week, I am a little man in a tiny shell who lives in a four-walled booth in the back of a church. <clears throat> uh, all right. Well, I believe the Writers Guild when they say they won't quit. I don't see a situation where they get everything they want. Mm. I think it will take much longer than most Hollywood execs think before they cave. But I think it might, they might be doomed to cave or compromise in the end. Mm. I don't know how this ends. I do think we're in for a long haul. I think 2023 is shot. Yeah. Ain't nobody coming back before next year. Mm. I'm pretty sure. But I don't know how much longer they can last after that. Right. Especially after Christmas comes and goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how much they can last. Tomorrow, we're going to take a look at this from a specifically Christian perspective and ask the question, is it a sin to go on strike? But for today, we're out of coffee. And so we are on the way out. But before we go, we've got our verse of the day. First John three eleven. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And with that, our Wednesday show is coming to a close. Thank you for joining us for Rise and Shine Nerds. We want to invite you to get behind the scenes by joining our LT and Discord community. Once you've joined at lovethynerd.com slash Discord, simply go to Channels and Roles and click on the Rise and Shine Nerds button there to gain access to it. You can help us plan shows and segments and even be on the show yourself on occasion. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app or through the LTN YouTube channel and don't miss an episode and tell us what you think of the show via our socials at rise and shine LTN on Facebook and Twitter. Once again, I'm radio Matt. I'm Daedra. And as always a reminder, Jesus loves you nerds.